Good morning. Do grab a seat. I think there's some people just coming back through from uh, Kids Church and so on. Uh, but we are going to make a start. So um, Pastor Clive sends his greetings. Pastor Clive and Sally send their greetings this morning. They are in Horsham in Surrey, which I think is a very nice part of the world. Um, they're preaching at a church down there, visiting some, uh, some friends. So they are not in self-isolation, fear not. Um, they are simply in another part of the world um, sharing a message with uh, a sort of sister church down in the south of England. Um, r- recognize this morning, you know, um, I'm sort of delighted that people are here. You guys have moved in faith. We recognize that even at this time, people are starting to make their own choices about what kind of groups and events and activities they want to go to. And, that, you know, that's fine. We recognize that, um, especially the sort of people who are um, either carrying existing health conditions or, 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 or older, perhaps, are, are making choices. You know, that, that's absolutely fine. We're not sort of going to um, argue with that. People are making their own choices. And really, that is something we want to speak to and speak about this morning, um, really to help us uh, garner some spiritual insight uh, into the current events of the nation. I'm just going to turn my phone off, make sure I don't fall foul there. Um, so really to, to help set the scene. And one of the things that amazes me about the dealings of God is God's wisdom in provision. And very often in the way that God deals out his provision into the world is that he gives us the thing that we need in the moment that we need it. But actually, we can see that the provision of God is not just to give us what we need in that moment, but sometimes to even give us what we don't know we'll need for the next moment in time. God sees round corners and he can provide for us, almost in a way that it's sort of hidden until we realize, oh, that was the item that I needed all along. So some years ago, Paul Koshy, and Paul Koshy's not here this morning either. He's not in self-isolation. He's ministering in Macclesfield. Uh, he's uh, gone down on, as part of a mission team there. But Paul Koshy shared this story with me some years ago of when I think he was in Newcastle early on up, up here and really learning to pray and trust God as his heavenly father. And in those times, very practically, uh, moving to, to Newcastle, you may have noticed that it rains from time to time in our city. And uh, so he prayed, God, will you provide for me a coat and an umbrella? Very sensible, practical things to pray for in this part of the world. And he also prayed, God, you're my heavenly father. I'm learning to trust you as my heavenly father. Will you provide me with a a rucksack, something to carry my books to and from university and so on? So three things that he prayed for in that time. And not long after he'd started praying, his uh, parents came back from a, a trip they'd made to the United States where they'd been visiting Paul's uncle. And uh, they said, oh, and so he went to, to see them, and they said, oh, your uncle is thinking of you, and he wants us to give you this, $100, which Paul was delighted with because he immediately spent the $100 on a new coat. So he said, oh, God, you're so good, one out of three. They said, oh, your uncle is thinking of you, and he sent us this rucksack for you um, from the States. He thought that might be useful for you. Paul hadn't said anything about what he'd been praying about. He'd only prayed. Um, but, but his uncle on the other side of the Atlantic sent to him a rucksack. So now that's two out of three, which I think is pretty good going in the, in the land of answer prayer. And so Paul started opening this rucksack, and tucked inside the rucksack was an umbrella. <laughs> now, we, but at the time, Paul didn't know whether his uncle meant to buy the umbrella, whether it came as part of the pack, whether his uncle even knew the, the umbrella was in there. But God knew. God had moved his uncle on the other side of the world to send him not just the provision that we knew about, but hidden inside it, an extra element of provision for where Paul needed it. Amazing. 
And sometimes that's just how the dealings of God are in our lives. And back in January, Clive and Sally, pastors Clive and Sally, were in Bogota at the January convention. And one of the words that most spoke to them is from the text that we're going to read together this morning. And as Pastor Clive um, brought it to us probably three weeks ago, we really received it. We said, God, that's your provision for this moment. Great spiritual insight about how to handle ourselves, how to pray in a particular way, how to conquer something in faith for 2020. We said, God, this is your provision. But you know, as the events of the last three weeks have unfolded, I've seen the provision of God in this passage like an umbrella tucked in a rucksack. There was something extra in there that we didn't even know we were going to need until the moment for it to come forth appeared. And so we're going to read it and receive it. And actually, as we see uh, the text and the history of Israel at that time, that's God's provision for us and insight for us in this moment. So let's read uh, from 2 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 1. So during the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. And so David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. Well, the king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now, the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. And the Israelites had sworn to spare them. But Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to annihilate them. So David asked the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? And the Gibeonites answered him, we've got no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. All right, well, what do you want me to do for you? David asked. They answered the king, as for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us so that we've been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, let seven of his Male descendants be given to us to be killed, and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. So the king said, I will give them to you. And the king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, because of the oath before the Lord between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. But the king took Armoni and another Mephibosheth, two sons of Aiah's daughter, Rizpah, whom she had borne to Saul, and then together with the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merabab, whom she had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Meholite, I get stuck on all these names, forgive me. But the point is, that's two of Saul's actual sons and five of his grandsons. And then in verse 9, he handed them over to the Gibeonites who killed them and exposed their bodies on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley harvest was beginning. I've been working with this text all week and just reading it aloud, you, it, it's shocking you know, it's, it's, I find it a really challenging, provocative message. And I'm sure as you're reading it, maybe for the first time or some of you for a, you know, a, a repeated time, there's a, there's a shock as we read this. But actually, I think that's part of God's provision to jolt us into a different way of looking at the world and bring some revelation to our lives. So don't let that shock deter you from what we're going to study with the rest of our time together. Why don't we pray and really ask God to speak to us in this moment? Lord Jesus, we pray, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Speak to the situation that we're in as individuals 
as um, families together. We pray, speak to the situation in our nation. We pray that we would be those with spiritual insight to understand the time that we're in and to understand how to respond in a way that honors you in this time. Amen. 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 Well, I think you can sort of pick up on what's going on in this, this situation. So this is all um, events that are taking place later on in the reign of David. He's no longer the, the young shepherd boy charging in against Goliath, and he's no longer the, the nomad, the um, on-the-run king-in-waiting, uh, you know, fighting with the enemy tribes. At this point, he's the established king of Israel, and so he's carrying the responsibility for the nation at this time. Big seat of responsibility that David's carrying. And the story opens with famine in the land for three years. And I suppose in our modern day context, especially in the Western world, famine isn't something that really touches us or, or, or impacts us regularly. Uh, maybe something we see on the news. But, but for us here, it's, it's unusual. For, for the people of Israel at that time, actually famine might not have been quite so surprising or unheard of. But even in those days, a period of three years to have such an acute famine was quite unusual in, in the degree that we're dealing with in this uh, part of history. And it's so severe at that time that David specifically prays to, Lord, to the Lord in a particular way, really seeks the face of God in a particular way. And Saul speaks to him about the, way, uh, the Lord speaks to him about the way that Saul has treated the Gibeonites, this other people group. So if you know the history of Israel, you'll know that the Gibeonites were people originally from that land of a different tribe to Israel who had deceived their way into staying in the land alongside Israel. They were deceitful in the way they went about that. Um, but because they sort of tricked their way in, they sort of had this legal permission to stay in the land along with Israel. And that caused no end of trouble for Israel over the years, not least in, in this episode. Uh, and, and here we are coming into this moment in history where the way I think about it that speaks to our situation is this is a nation, Israel as a nation, is under an intense period of pressure. And as I reflect on the situation that we're in as a nation, I would say that is something that can speak to us. We're not in a period of famine in quite the same way, but we are under a period of national pressure in a way that I think it hasn't been experienced for quite some time. And if I can characterize it, I would say the pressure that we're under is probably coming from two things. In the first place, there is a, a medical pressure that we are under. That is true. But I think the greater pressure that I have concern about is how we as a nation respond to that condition. Whether we overreact, whether we respond in fear or panic or some kind of overreaction to the situation we're in, actually that could create more problems than the, the, sim the simple-ish medical situation. So yes, there's a, of course, there's something here that we need to watch out for and be sensible about and take action on and so on. But actually, I think it's the way that we as a nation handle ourselves under that pressure that will really determine the future of this situation. And so in a certain sense, that's what I most want to speak to. And uh, I can't help but think of the Rudyard Kipling poem 
Uh, Roger Kipling said, if you can keep your head while all about are losing theirs and blaming it on you, hopefully it'll come up. If you can keep your head while all about are losing theirs and blaming it on you, then you'll be a Bible-believing Christian in this situation. If that's what we're looking for, we recognize that other people will not be thinking so clearly, will not be responding well, will not be taking a faith-based response to the situation that we're in. And we feel some responsibility for that as the church to represent God well, to represent his kingdom well, and to live and move and carry ourselves in a different atmosphere, in a faith atmosphere in these times. And so that, I think, is really the call of God on our lives at at this moment. And this text has something that can say to us about that situation, three really simple principles that I think any one of us can take away uh, and, and live with and do well with. So the first thing that I see in here is David's immediate response to the situation is that David seeks the Lord first in this situation. The first thing that David does is is to come before the Lord. He sought the face of the Lord. And, you know, I I think we would probably say that is good advice for any situation that we're in. You know, whether that's a sort of normal day-by-day pressure of, of of our lives or a specific family situation or a work situation or a financial situation, any situation that we face in life, you could draw some insight from this text and say, when you come under pressure, seek the face of the Lord. That is a great thing to do anyway. A a few months ago, back at the start of 2019, um, we were studying Genesis chapter 24 together as a church. And the phrase the Lord spoke to me at the time was, um, pray for success and take practical steps. So we're not saying that you shouldn't do anything practical. Far from it. We're saying the two things work completely in harmony in God's economy. We both pray for success and we take practical steps. But, but the problem that Israel had at different times in, in their nation's history was when they came under pressure, they would often just take practical steps. They would come under famine and they would start making a treaty with a foreign nation. Or they would come under some kind of military oppression and they would go off and um, you know, jump into an agreement with Egypt to buy mercenaries from them or to Babylon to buy you know, soldiers from them or they'd um, p- pay a ransom so that nobody would attack them. You know, they'd make these decisions from pressure coming on their lives without seeking God. And it didn't go well for them. And many of the challenges that Israel faced as a nation in the history of, uh, of their nation um, came from those decisions they made where they didn't seek God's face and they just took practical steps. And so we're, we're, if I can sort of expand that to our current circumstances, I think we risk as a, as a nation, as a sort of global community at this time, just taking lots of practical action which is a good thing in itself. But if we don't recognize there's a spiritual component to our lives and a, and a way that we can pray and seek God's face in this situation, then we won't be creating the whole picture and the whole solution for this moment. So if I can sort of draw on a personal example, back in um, 2008, I think it was, um, no, 2009, Karis and I were looking to move house. We bought our first flat and uh, we'd been living there for a few years. We'd had a Leo, and we had plans that one day we might have another baby. I probably didn't have plans that we'd have a third, but hey, that was a, a delicious surprise later on in life. But we were planning for a, an expansion to our family, so we were looking to move, so we were selling our flat, and we were praying and taking practical steps in the situation. 
we put our flats on the market and we cleaned it and we made it nice and you know, we hid all the clutter in a big cupboard as you do. And, uh, and so sure enough, someone came around, some viewings, and someone put in an offer on our flat. Uh, and obviously you, you'll have been in this situation or you'll know this situation where when you're trying to buy the next property, you, kind of, you need to sell the first property for a particular price to get enough equity cash together so you can put down you know, and afford the, the next place. So somebody made an offer on our first flat and it wasn't enough that kind of would release us to buy the next property we put an offer on. Um, so we were like, oh God, this is, you know, what do we do? So we um, re- kind of prayed a bit, but probably not so intensely. And then we said, well, that's not quite enough. You know, can they make a different offer? And they came back with another offer and said, well, we'll offer you this. We can pay it all in cash, which is obviously a great useful thing in a, in a housing transaction, but that's it. You know, we're not going above that level that we're done. And uh, I was really distressed by this. It was a Friday when this was all happening, and we were at a prayer meeting here, and I was just deeply distressed by the whole affair, and I was really kind of praying and just saying, God, you know, what are you doing with all of this? All the Friday night, sort of not sure I slept so well, the Saturday morning, wrestling with God in prayer, saying, God, how do I deal with these events? What do I do? This is not going to, you know, release us into the property that we want to buy so that we can you know, expand our family. We think that's in, in your heart. Wrestling with God about it. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, um, give them one more chance. Give them one more chance. And I was like, God, God you haven't heard. They said they're not going any higher than that sort of thing. So I, I had this phrase from, from the Holy Spirit. And I phoned the estate agent. And I, I just quoted word for word what I felt the Holy Spirit had said to me. I said, well, you know what, you know, I, I won't lie to you. I wasn't moving in faith. I was moving in some kind of bizarre combination of optimism and obedience, okay? It wasn't, a, you know, some people say, oh, I was in faith, but they would change. I wasn't like that. I was like, God, I've got nothing else I can offer. So all I'm going to do is, so I phoned the estate agent. I basically, you know, repeated word for word what the Holy Spirit had said to me. Let's just give them one more chance. And the estate agent was like, okay, but you know they've said, you know, that's it, they're done, there's no higher offers coming, cash buyer, they're steady. And I was like, yes, but let's just give them... I had nothing else I could say, so I just repeated myself. Let's just give them one more chance. And the estate agent clearly thought I was mental, but went away, phoned the buyer, and later on that Saturday, called back and said, okay, they can increase their offer. And, you know, I was obviously over the moon... But it was all because I just heard something from God that we could then turn into a practical solution. And the two things work in harmony, right? So I could have said, oh, Lord, I receive your word to you know, give them one more chance. And I pray in the Spirit, Lord, that you give them one more chance and you make it happen. But if I hadn't picked up the phone to the estate agent, then the deal wouldn't have gone through. So both things work in harmony in God's economy. And it comes from the start point of seeking God first. And so as I look at the situation we're in as a nation, I think the thing that we want to carry in ourselves is we want to move in faith. We want to seek God for his wisdom for our family and our situation and then take practical steps. So if we feel that we need to wash our hands more and um, buy additional food for the store cupboards at home, you know, none of those things are wrong things to do. I've got no problem and no concerns about those things. Nobody's going to sort of stand on the platform and say, oh, you are weak in faith because you bought extra tins of um, you know, peaches or something. That's not what we're about. What we're saying is we're just gonna, we might do that, 
but we're doing it in a manner that says, hey, God, we're in faith for you to be Lord of this situation and to provide for me to have a slightly higher shopping bill this month. You know, that's God's provision in a different way. We're not doing it in a panicked manner that says, oh, we better get ahead of the curve and, you know, get ahead of everybody and we've got to get it off the shelves while somebody else is. That's moving in fear. And it's an atmosphere and a spirit that we don't want to be about. But we can pray, seek God's wisdom, and then take practical steps that help us in life. And it's a very different atmosphere for moving between those two things. So that's how David was. First thing he did, he sought the face of God, and then he went on to take practical action. Second thing that I want to uh, look at together this morning is also in in verse 1, which is looking at where these things come from. We understand the cause. And the Lord spoke to David and said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. Now, in David's situation in Israel at that time, there was a very specific cause or argument that stood against Israel. And that's something that I'm sure we'll talk about as Pastor Clive gets another opportunity to preach this message and really unpack um, chapter 21 for us. But the thing I'm aware of as we look at the situation going on in the world is I think it would be inappropriate of any of us to say that there is a specific cause of this situation. I'll say something about it in a moment, but I'm certain that the internet is alive with all sorts of theories and ideas and attributions that say, oh, it's because of this moral issue, or it's because of this religious conundrum over here, or it's because of this you know, global situation, or this political context, and God's not... Split. That's not what we want to do with this situation. You know, God spoke very specifically to David, to Israel, at a point in time about a specific cause. But as I look at the situation we're in, my personal interpretation of it is it is primarily to be received as a reminder that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has been um, impacted by sin that is not as it should be. We live in a world that is under a different kind of atmosphere and a different kind of curse from where God first created it to be. As a result of that, we see different difficulties. In our own lives, we experience sin and we experience you know, sorrow and, and sometimes we experience sickness and you know, bad health. Sometimes we see that sickness on a, on a more widespread scale. But that is, I would read that as we are living in a fallen world. And if our interpretation is towards anything, I would say that our interpretation is to, as a, a, as a church, as a community, and as a nation, is to make sure we've created the right value system and the right set of priorities that recognizes the world we're in is not as it should be. Not to say, oh, it's because of this or this fault or this specific thing, but to say, actually, you know, the, the world, its value system, and the priorities of most people day to day are built on a foundation of sand. And in God's economy, that's not how we want to see things. This is something that causes us to reevaluate what's most important to our lives, to our families, you know, to our futures, all of these different things, because we're, not, we're looking at what the right root cause is. It's sin at work in, in a fallen creation. Now, the third area um, of, of, sort of 
read across from this passage that I want to look at is in verse 7, I think it is, which is where we see um, the right solution. And we read that all seven of these men, five grandsons and two sons, fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest. Um, I wasn't kidding when I, when I said earlier, as I, as I read it out, and you know, Clive preached on, on this three or so weeks ago, and um, as I read this text, I, I was really shaken by, by reading about an argument against Israel that was so strong and tangible and irreversible that it called for a sacrifice of, of the lives of seven men. I, I had to wrestle with that. I was grappling with that. I was you know, reading my Bible in the morning and saying, God, this can't be right. How do I read about this? That it's right that because of the war crimes of one man, seven others were put to, seven others were put to death. How is that right? You know, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me exactly. And I thought, God, that is the outrage of the cross. I hope you can see this not as a concern about historical events, but something that speaks to us about the outrage of the cross. The message of the cross is that my mistakes, our mistakes, our sin, our rebellion, our war crimes against God are so severe deserving of judgment in such a way that the only way to close that is for Jesus to go to the cross. And as I read this text myself, I was challenged once again by how blasé I'd become, how relaxed, how taken for granted I could be about Jesus' death on the cross. When you read about it as seven relatively innocent men being put to death for the crimes of another, it is Shocking, harrowing, disturbing. It jolted me. And I've carried that with me, I think, with a fresh appreciation for all that Jesus did at the cross to take the mistakes that we've made. And again, as we talk about it, we're saying that the situation we're in is a result of of, of being in a fallen creation, of being in a world where things are not right. And the way I think about it is that that stands over here. Over here is a fallen creation with sin, with decay, with problems, with issues, with brokenness, with all kinds of corruption because of sin in the world. And over here is God and his goodness in heavenly places with pure, righteous, holy, shiny, clean. How do you bridge the gap between the two? And we know the only way that the gap is bridged between the two is because Jesus is at the cross. That's how the gap is bridged. Without him doing that, there's no way that we, from our fallen part of creation could ever reach out into his pure, holy, clean part of the spiritual world and ask for help or blessing or breakthrough or change or anything. We couldn't do it. But because of the cross, there's a bridge that covers the gap and closes the gap. And you know, very often in this church, when we speak about praying the blood of Jesus or applying the blood of Jesus over a situation, Praying for the cross to be real in the situation. In, in my mind's eye, that's the, it's the bridge. It's saying, God, let something of your goodness, righteousness, pure, holy power break out from heavenly places. Bridge the gap into where I am right now, all because of the cross, and change the situation that we're in at this moment in time. 
we're saying because of what Jesus did at the cross, because his life was pure, because his death was uncalled for, because it was injustice to him, because of that, it's taking the good things from heaven and bringing those into our life and changing the world that we live in and impacting the world that we live in. It only happens because of his death at the cross. That's what we're talking about as we apply the blood of Jesus over a over our lives and over our situations. And so as I read this text, it speaks to me about how we have an opportunity to pray for change at a national scale. And you know, in in previous years, we have been privileged to pray as a church about the situation in our nation and see God's breakthrough happen. I was looking back in in old WhatsApp messages. Some of you will know um, Karis's brother lives in the States, in Florida, And in September 2017, Hurricane Irma was um, let loose, sort of churning up in the Caribbean. And the the prediction was that it was going to come across the Caribbean and then up and move across Florida. And so we've got, in our sort of family WhatsApp um, group, you know, you can read the messages. Um, I was looking for those ones in particular. I came across some others that um, told me what I bought for everybody from the takeaway Uh, in September 2017 as well. I can tell you that later, should you be interested. But the point is, we were reading these messages that were telling us, you know, as as the forecasts were going out about where Hurricane Irma was going to be, and then as events um, evolved, and the impact was changed and softened. And uh, it started out with a prediction that it was going to be a Category 4 or 5 hurricane with a direct hit on Miami and Fort Lauderdale, which is where Karis's brother Um, lives, which is on the eastern side of Florida. But by the time it made um, landfall, it had softened to a Category 3 hurricane, which had strong winds of 80 miles per hour um, and gusting up to 110 miles per hour. Karis, um, in the WhatsApp, Karis saying she'd spoken to her brother, and he pointed out that he and I have endured worse than that in North Wales, which is probably true. Um, and, And as we looked at Hurricane Irma, one of the things that we know is that Pastor Caesar Castellanos was so moved to pray about these events on a national scale. Um, They were in Orlando as a family. They moved out of the hurricane's path. They took practical action, Um, but he prayed. He said the Holy Spirit woke him early in the morning and led him how to apply the blood of Jesus over the hurricane, over the families in his church, how to pray and break through. And you you can see, you know, it really was amazing how the path of the hurricane continued over Florida and then went up on the, more on the western side, much more over the sea, uh, and certainly avoiding the area where, where we were praying for our, our family. It was a miracle that God brought about in that situation. And so I was remembering this as we were thinking about our current situation as a nation that says, actually, we have an opportunity to pray on a national scale and believe God to, you know, at the moment it feels like the sort of the, the storm of current affairs and the news flow is very turbulent but I feel like the church has a position to say, well, actually, we don't receive that. We speak a different word. We speak in faith, and we pray that God would so change the direction of of these events, of this health situation, that we, you know, his nation would be protected, and the church, his people would be protected as well. And that's how we want to pray in a moment together this morning. So I want to spend some time um, as we're together this morning praying, and then we're going to um, share some practical things that are going to help us in the, in the coming period. So can I ask you to, to stand with me as we're together in this time?
the image of the hurricane has been really helpful to me because it's been a very graphic imagination of how things are evolving over our nation. And so, you know, as we're sort of praying together, I want you to almost see in your mind's eye our nation. But I want you to see that the, the hurricane is going to subside before it causes damage in our nation. You know, you can almost imagine at the moment that the path of the hurricane is coming out from Europe and over towards Great Britain. That's sort of the direction that the um, you know, the virus and contagion has been, has been moving and so on. But actually, in my heart, in my spirit, in my mind's eyes, I've been praying about it. I've been seeing that the path of the, of the storm would miss us. You know, the path, it would pass over us in a way that its force is spent and sort of tumble into the sea and not touch us in this time. And so I want to invite you to imagine that in your mind's eye, that where there's this sort of storm going on elsewhere, actually we would pray that it would pass our nation by, that it wouldn't disrupt us, it wouldn't create the sort of havoc that people are talking about, but the force would be spent, as it were, over the sea, that God's protection would be on our land and on our nation in this time. Start imagining that in your mind's eye. Lord, we pray in this moment that you would so protect our nation. We pray, Lord, that by the blood of Jesus, you would move from heavenly places a change in the atmosphere over our nation, a change in the way we're seeing this situation and a change in the way that we're receiving this situation. We pray that you would disrupt the course of the hurricane. We pray that you would disrupt the course of the virus in our nation. We pray that you would cause it to spend its force elsewhere. Not to harm other nations, but as if it's just cast into the sea and passes by and misses the land and misses our nation. We pray, move in such a way, Lord Jesus, to change the course of this thing over our nation. Adam was praying earlier. I wanted to invite you to come and um, help lead us in prayer for this part. There's a few different areas I'd love us to pray for together as you look at this situation. Ask Adam to come and uh, lead us just for a moment. We were praying yesterday and I had this word on my heart. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And before I go on, I want to point out that they were in a desert, and if they couldn't drink water, they would die. It's that simple. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log or a tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And we we were praying earlier, and I I prayed this, and Ben said something great, which was the log was already there, the tree was already there, and the cross is already there. It's already happened. The victory has already happened. And so we just want to put it into the water today. We want to put it into the nation today. And so I just want to encourage us all to start 
praying for the cross to become visible in the nation, to become established in the nation. Lord, we pray and we just declare, we believe in the victory of the cross. We believe, Jesus, that at the cross you conquered every sickness, every disease, every power, every principality. Lord, we recognize that at the cross, death became empty of power. At the cross, death was defeated. At the cross, sickness was defeated. Lord, we want to say where we see this virus, you were defeated at the cross on the body of Jesus. On the body of Jesus, all sickness was placed on the body of Jesus. And there's victory and there's covering and there's protection for our nation. We declare the covering of the cross over our nation. We declare every sickness is stopped and held at bay from our nation by the power of the cross. Lord, establish the cross in this time in our nation. Establish the cross in politics. Establish the cross in our schools and universities. Establish the cross in people's homes. Establish the cross in people's hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you'd reveal the cross to our nation in this time. Reveal the blood of Jesus to our nation in this time. Let this be a time for the nation to encounter Jesus. Let this be a time for the nation to see the love of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord. While we were worshiping the Lord, I felt in my spirit that we need to lift the banner of Christ, of the Lord, high in this situation. But as um, Ben just preached, something came to my mind. Because if we look at the seventh generation that were wiped out, something happened before they were wiped out. And he's seen. And we are called International Harvest Church. It's not by chance, it's for a reason. And as we gathered here this morning, there are hundreds of nations standing before me. And I know because of the situation that is going on in our land, we cannot maybe hold hands. But I will say move to the person next to you, touch their elbow together because we are standing in agreement this morning and we are representing every nation standing here and those that are not here to leave God banner over this situation. And before we go into that prayer, begin to meditate before the Lord. Sin caused that seventh generation to pass. And that same sin could be what is happening before the world today. And we know that. And I just want everyone to intervene. Meditate before the Lord and cry out to that nation you represent. Cry out to this nation and say, God, if it is sin, Lord, we cry out unto you, Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus, we begin to pray. Lord Jesus, we stand in agreement, oh Lord, and we repent. And we cry out that whatever thing is going out in the world, you created the world, oh Lord Jesus. In the book of Genesis, you spoke, oh Lord Jesus, and land, oh that they appear. Waters appear, seas appear, and you saw that it was good, and you created your children. Lord, we cry out this morning, oh Lord Jesus, and we ask for repentance. Wherever we have fallen short, wherever our government has fallen short, 
wherever our nations has fallen short in the name of Jesus. Daddy, we cry here before you for we know your, your blood is enough. Your blood is enough, oh Lord, because on the cross of Calvary, Lord Jesus, you set us free. Lord, in this storm, oh Lord Jesus, we focus on you. In this storm, oh Lord Jesus, we know that your blood is enough. Your hand is not short to reach your people. For the nation was created by you and therefore you are enough to declare a total ceasefire this hour in the name of Jesus. Daddy, we just exalt your holy name. We glorify you. We thank you for your forgiveness this hour in the name of Jesus. Right Now that we have cried out to God for that, we are lifting God's banner now against every situation against every nation against every government it doesn't matter what they say but Jesus banner is enough just one drop of his blood is enough to take away sin and give life and in this hour we are crying out that life be restored in the name of Jesus open your mouth and cry out to God King of glory daddy we exalt you we come before your throne Lord we know there is a pandemic out there because the world says so but we know you don't see it as a pandemic Lord Jesus we cry out and we lift your banner up this hour oh Lord because on the cross of Calvary you said your blood is enough daddy I cried out for your blood to begin to sweep every nation every government this hour in the name of Jesus we lift your name high, Lord. You spirit of COVID-19, you have no place among the nation. You have taken enough life as it is. We cry out as children of God. We come before the altar of God and we say you have no power. Holy Ghost arresting, arresting from north, from east, from west, from south. We cry out that you begin to arrest them in the name of Jesus. For the banner of the Lord is lifted high this morning. The banner of the Lord is lifted high this morning because the children of the Lord has gathered. Because the children of the Messiah have gathered. We sanctify every nation with the blood of Jesus. We surrender the world with the blood of Jesus. We commit all the medical teams, Lord. We pray for strength. May your banner be upon them. We pray for strength upon them in the name of Jesus. Above all, I begin to cry out, Lord, that may you begin to provide a vaccine. As we cry out, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, you are able to do it. As a scientist sits in the lab and make it because we are calling upon you to provide, oh Lord Jesus, that breakthrough. We pray and we are agreed that it has happened in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. When um, Ben was talking about the um the hurricane um, and it's sort of veering off um, I was reminded um, of a, a, a chapter in the, in the Bible um, Psalm 91 um, and I thought we'd just read it because I think it's really apt I think it's us for I feel like it's for us as a nation it speaks of real faith um, and I really feel like the, the, there's power in these words so I'm just going to read it it says whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare 
and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And I really felt like that was the part for us as a nation. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge, that's what we say. We say, Lord, you are my refuge. And we make you the most high dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. It will not come near this nation. For you command the angels, Lord. For you command the angels and you guard us in all the ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them. For they acknowledge my name. And he, I'm sorry, they call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Lord, thank you. This is a promise from you that this is not a time where we need to be afraid because we trust in you, Lord. You are trustworthy. Where everything else feels shakable, you are trustworthy. Lord, thank you that you are the same yesterday. You're the same today. You'll be the same tomorrow. And although the the media is different and the times seem to be changed, you are the steady rock, our foundation when we call upon you, Jesus. Come and be that steady rock, that steady foundation. Lord, I pray that you'd repel the same way that this hurricane went away. You'd repel this from this nation. Repel it. I thank you that your blood speaks a better word. Lord, I love that in the Bible that it says that your blood speaks a better word. Just like Abel's blood. Lord, I thank you that your blood cries out. Lord, we cry out as a nation. We cry out to you. Come and speak a better word over this nation. Lord, we don't deserve it like Ben said. We truly don't have mercy. We appeal to your merciful, good character, your good nature. We say, come and rescue us. Not because we deserve it, but because of you and your goodness. And and yeah, I just want to echo that same prayer that Adam had, Lord, that we would glorify you, that there'll be an establishment of the cross in this nation, that where people are turning, they wouldn't turn to the shelves of Asda for sanitizer, but instead they'd come to you and know that they can be rescued by you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In a similar vein, when Ben was talking about the hurricane and how they prayed, and the yeah, Pastor says I got woken up to pray the blood of Jesus and the hurricane turned away. I was reminded of um, the chapter in Exodus where it's the first Passover and the Israelites got told to paint the blood of Jesus over the doorways of their houses. And Exodus 12:13 says, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. 
Jip, to my senses is that we have the power as the people of God to paint the blood over the door frames of where we are. So right now, if God puts somewhere on your heart or if you're in a certain workplace or school or university, just start crying out and paint the blood over those door frames. So Lord God, I want to thank you that when you see the blood of Jesus, you pass over. You do not let any harm and any illness come into that place. We want to paint your blood over our nation in this moment. We say that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We know that when you were whipped on your back, that it brought complete healing to us. It brought complete healing. So I want to paint your blood over our government and over our leaders. I want to paint your blood over our universities as they close down in fear. I want to paint your blood over every school, over every family. And we declare that there will be no destructive plague in this place because your blood covers our door frames in this nation. We know that God is a God of families, yeah? And it says he places the lonely in families. And that's a better word than the word that's being spoken over our nation at the moment, particularly when we think of our older generations as well. That, you know, I saw on the news yesterday, I think that there's this talk about isolation for a, a period of many weeks. And, but that's not what God is calling us to. His word is better and he places the lonely in families. And, and um, just as Rachel was praying then, I had a picture of the blood of Jesus, particularly painted over care homes in our nation, that the protection of God's hand would be upon our families represented here. So if you can, would you just raise a hand with me now to represent your family before the Lord right now? Think of your parents, your grandparents, and the, the generations that have gone before. And Lord, we we ask that that blood would be applied over their lives and over our families right now. God, we, we just plead the blood of Christ over our lives and over our families. Lord, that your hand would be upon our parents and our grandparents. Lord, we pray that your protection would be upon them. Lord, that the spirit of death would pass over them. And Lord, that they would, they would be able to say, Lord, that, that not a hair on my head has been touched because God's mercy and God's hand has been upon my life. Lord, we just see and visualize right now your protection over our families. Lord, over our, over our parents and over our older generations. Lord, would you keep them safe in this time? And Lord, guard them and keep them in a supernatural way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yesterday I was reading Psalm 126 and it says a song for those journeying to worship this is from the voice it says remember when the eternal brought back the exiles to Zion it was as if we were dreaming our mouths were filled with laughter our tongues were spilling over into song the word went out across the prairies and deserts across the hills and over the nations wide from nation to nation the eternal has done remarkable things for them we shook our heads all of us were stunned the eternal has done remarkable things for us we were beyond happy beyond dry joyful and i was just thinking you know the exiles that come out of a difficult time and then i was and i was just had that vivid of um, 
picture of what that looked like. And then I was drawn to what we're facing at the moment, what the nation is looking at. And I thought, but actually, as we've already heard and said, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And we can say, we can say, this is a time that our nation's going to turn to God. This is a time when we're going to be stunned of what God is going to do in this nation and in, in the world. Because the world is, and everything in it belongs to God. So let's just pray. Let's just see you know, this picture of, of glory, of victory over, over the nations, not just one nation, our nation, but all nations, that this is a time where people are going to turn to God. Father God, we thank you that there is victory in your blood. Jesus, you went to the cross. You didn't deserve you, the most innocent, but you went and you brought victory. And we say the victory is for now. The victory Lord is for this nation and the nations of the world. We say we are going to look and we're going to see that when this passes, Lord, which will soon, that there is victory. And it's not just us, the church now, but there's going to be many more in the church who, Lord, who are going to look at you and who are going to praise you because they've turned to you at this time. Because, Lord, you are our rock. You are our certainty. You are our victory. And we thank you for what you do. We thank you. There is victory in you. And we give you praise today, Lord. We worship you. And we say you are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for praying for our nation at this time. And um, I seem to have two microphones. I'm going to put one of these down. Thank you. Why don't you take a seat where you are? Because I want to say a few practical things uh, just to help us prepare. And I suppose my overarching thought, Clive and I have been sort of talking back and forth um, as he's been away and we've been thinking about, you know, what, what do we say so that we're practically uh, sort of prepared? And, you know, we feel, well, we, we think it's responsible to prepare as thoroughly as possible. We might not need to do any of the things that we're going to talk about. And it might be that, you know, um, God does move miraculously. And this time next Sunday, we are having that celebration. Uh, some of you will, will know, that's a, a side point. Some of you will know that um, in 1940, uh, King George called a national day of prayer uh, ahead of the uh, evacuation of Dunkirk on the, I'm, I'm trying to get the date, I think it was the 30th of May that he did it. But anyway, whatever, whatever date they had, the, the Sunday was the national day of prayer. Then the next week was the evacuation of Dunkirk and a real miraculous kind of evacuation and, t- and turnaround in that situation. And then the nation honored God on the 9th of June, they had a National Day of Thanksgiving, wow. which I just think is brilliant. You know, I, I'd read the other bits before. I never knew that they did a National Day of Thanksgiving on the 9th of June. So we can look forward to that um, yeah. this year. But who knows? We might be having a Sunday of Thanksgiving next week. And if, when God does move, it's good to honor him and, and recognize that. Right. But in this moment, we want to be thoughtful and practical and just make sure that we've got sort of good lines of communication uh, and an understanding of, of what might happen. The government guidance and advice is changing sort of day by day. So we want to make sure that while we're all together, we can at least talk about some of those practical things. So one thing I will say, I've got a, I've got a list. So bear with me as I sort of go through and make sure I cover the various things Clive and I have talked about. So um, Sunday meetings, what we would say is there's no plans to stop our Sunday meetings um, or, or our city group meetings or our other meetings like clusters, 
um, or prayer meetings. We're not planning to um, stop meeting in, in those forums yet. So the government hasn't asked us to do that. Um, the the, uh, the um, consideration at the moment in Scotland is meetings of over 500 people um, and some of the sporting events and so on that are being cancelled. It's not because of the um, transmission risk in big groups. That's not why they're stopping those. It's because of the pressure that it puts on emergency services. Now, I know sometimes we do have a wild time when we get together, but so far we don't need the ambulance or the police service to come and steward us um, on a Sunday morning. So, um, so at that point, I think we're not creating a burden on those emergency services. So we don't feel that we need to stop our, our, our gatherings in, in that way at this point. We plan to keep Little Village going, the toddler group that meets on a Wednesday. Um, some of you will be aware we cancelled it a few weeks back. That was because of a specific situation. We knew someone who was regularly there um, would have been in contact with, with somebody with coronavirus. So we sort of did that for a specific period, but actually that's not a sort of long-term intent to have that, um, the Wednesday toddler group stopped. Um, the only thing that we are saying is we've asked our Wednesday group uh, to pause meetings for now and effectively take the Easter break, sort of start two weeks early and probably expect to, to not meet together on a Wednesday group until after the Easter holiday. And we'll just kind of keep communicating, we'll keep a watching brief on that one. And really that's because we recognise that a lot of the folk who are a part of the Wednesday group are of that older generation who are probably most at, at sort of risk um, in these times. So we're going to pause that group meeting, but we are going to make sure that people continue to have you know, human contact and, and we're not going to sort of ask all of our older folk to stay at home and, and never talk to anybody. That, that's not what we're going to do, obviously, but we're not going to have the sort of the, the communal meetings together um, for, for Wednesday group. Um, what I would also say about meetings together um, is, of course, if you do have any of the symptoms of coronavirus, and we would ask that you don't come to the meetings at this time. Uh, it probably goes without saying, but just in case, worth saying. Um, we will understand. <laughs> you know, normally you might get a phone call and ask why you didn't turn up to the prayer meeting. Um, we won't be doing that in this point. You've got a bona fide cast iron excuse. <coughs> Sorry, I couldn't come to You know, hacky cough, right, fine. Um, there, there is plenty of guidance on the Public Health England website on gov.co.uk. Um, so you can sort of suss out for yourselves what the symptoms are and, and be sensible uh, about how you, how you approach that. So uh, what that doesn't mean, though, is that we expect people to sort of drop off the grid. So the next thing I want to talk about is just making sure that we can all stay in contact with each other. Um, you know, it, it is not impossible that the government guidance will change this week and they will ask churches not to meet. It's not impossible. We don't know that that's going to happen. But we'd rather sort of prepare so we can keep in contact with people um, while we are all here together. Um, so sort of as we um, want to stay in touch with anyone, the, the first thing that we want to be in touch with is through city groups. Um, so most people here will be in a city group, and most people will have a um, city group leader, part of the leadership of the church, who will have your contact details in some measure. But if I can just ask people to... Um, make sure that their city group leader have got a, a, a you know, phone number that works, an email address, and probably worth having your home address as well at this point. Um, so that if you do need somebody to visit you with, uh, you know, if you are poorly and can't get out and you need somebody to come and visit you with supplies of whatever sort, um, it's good to have people's physical addresses. I don't have the physical address of everybody because that's not generally how we work in this day and age. We don't often... 
um, need you know physical addresses. We all work with mobile phones. But actually, it might be helpful just to make sure that your city group leader has your you know address and postcode at this point, ju just as a sort of a, a backup plan, as it were. Um, the, uh, and I would also say, if you're not in a city group, I don't know why that is. I mean, it's a mystery to me. Um, you know, that is how we make sure that people have got pastoral care and relationship and covering. So if you're not in a city group yet, please do um, plug in and connect to one. Um, and at the very least, come and catch me afterwards so we can make sure we've got some contact details um, for everybody. The second main means that we communicate with people is by email. And we do sort of send out um, bulk emails from the office. Um, probably most of us here have got them at some point in the past, whether that's about um, special event Sundays or about live class or whatever it be. Um, so you probably know that, that the office has got your email address. Um, if you think the office does not have your email address, can I ask you to send an email, which will obviously then give us your email address. So um, smartphones at the ready, devices at the ready. If you can send an email to office at iharvest.org.uk, and just say, add me, and, and we'll take care of it from there, right? So that's the sort of the next um, main means of communication that we have. And of course, in the sort of next weeks and months and so on, the website will be kept up to date if any of the sort of approaches to meeting together changes, social media, Instagram, Facebook, and so on, we'll, we'll be keeping those up to date as well. So do keep an eye on those. Um, if you're not an internet or, or an email user, um, recognize there will be some people who aren't sort of communicating by those means. F first suggestion, please plug into your city group leader. Just make sure that you're really sort of properly connected there so that we can contact people that way. Um, or, or equally, um, I've asked uh, Lee and Emmanuel to sort of be on standby. Lee and Emmanuel um, help coordinate our Wednesday group. So if you need to catch them specifically and make sure that they've got sort of means of getting in touch with you to keep you updated you know, a, a landline phone number or an address or whatever it be, then please do catch up with them now. So Lee and Emmanuel, will you just give us a, a wave so people know where you are? Wonderful, wonderful. So those are the main things I want to say, something about how we're um, meeting together and something about how we're, we're staying in touch. And we're not sort of saying this to um, disturb us or because we necessarily think that we're going to need any of this, but we would rather be responsible and prepare now while we are meeting together um, this Sunday um, just to make sure that we're well well prepared in case the government advice changes in the next few days, okay? So the last thing I want to do is pray together one final time. Really stirred in my heart to pray for the leadership of our nation. Uh, I, I, think, I think in various ways, most people are saying that the leadership in the United Kingdom are doing a good job um, through managing through coronavirus. And that's a, that's a great thing to see, you know? So um, credit to them, but glory to God because um, we're sure that his hand must be on them to um, produce really good wisdom and results. And we'd love that to continue, of course we would. So praying for the leadership of our nation and the health service in our nation would just be a great thing to do at this time. So will you stand with me? Uh, it'd just be great. I'll, I'll pray. Uh, maybe you can pray in your own words as we go for, for the leadership of our nation this time. So Father, we thank you um, for the wise decisions that have been made so far. We thank you for people who are taking responsibility and standing up in places of leadership, whether in government or in um, health service positions. And God, we pray for your hands and your coverings beyond them. We pray for high energy levels, great decision-making, great wisdom, great discernment in this time for those in leadership. God, we pray special care and protection and support over those working in the health service that you, they would feel your presence, your help, your encouragement in this time. 
God, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray for us gathered together. You know, we pray for your protection. We thank you for the words of Psalm 91, that even though there's um, you know, disruption and plague going on around us, we pray protection on the people of God in this time, that your hand would be on our lives and on the lives of our families represented here. We pray, Lord, that the cross would be very real and very near to us in daily life in this time. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you.